Office Hour 17. We're here. Brendan, welcome. Welcome to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How are you feeling today? I, I mean, we've been having some conversations this morning, so I'm awake. <laughs> Let there be no mistake. I'm awake this morning. Awake, oh, hyper, hyper, triggered, triggered, <laughs> conspirator. <laughs> Man, there's there's a lot of theories, Nick. <laughs> there are. There are a lot out there, and... Uh, Man, a lot been, has been going on with UFOs recently. Shoot, I mean, I haven't dug deep yet because I clearly have, as you can tell, a lot of thoughts on my plate. <laughs> but yeah, like we're getting some real, real new footage out there. I saw, I don't know if you follow the news network that's only on YouTube called The Hill. They're pretty good at being like dead in the middle. They have got two hosts. They're kind of on each side of the center. Mm -hmm. So I really like their perspective they take. And they had a guy on, the guy who's done UFO stuff uh, through on Joe Rogan's podcast. And um, he's also, he did the documentary on Bob Lazar. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I know of it. And, oh, yeah. And he was like breaking down what we were seeing. Yeah, apparently we've got like footage of a, unidentified flying object let's be very clear when we say ufo <laughs> it just means it's an unidentified flying object it does not mean alien <laughs> but something that went from the sky into the water which is wild <clears throat> so yeah, yeah i saw the i saw the video i saw that clip of that thing just dropping in yeah. pretty fast yeah i'm kind of hyped and like the propulsion systems are the most like interesting part of this whole discussion how it how it's able to like drop in and then come back up or just the way it's the way it moves i'm gonna absolutely clobber this this is gonna be terrible people are not gonna fully understand but to just draw a comparison between the only propulsion systems that we know and have man and we're starting off with ufos on jamie crumb's episode if she's listening to this i apologize but we're doing it <laughs> yeah, sorry so the propulsion systems for current jets let's say right it's it's a very clear reaction and two two forces going opposite directions that propel a jet forward right like you've got the combustion engine pushing force and energy one direction that propels a through a reaction that pushes a jet the opposite direction mm -hmm. um, and then it's manipulated with wings and fins and everything on on the jet well they're saying that these systems very likely seem to be some kind of like the only way they can describe it is like a bend in reality so that they're they're changing the spot in the i don't even know what like in gravity in front of or in the direction that it's moving so that it's essentially falling. So there, and this is okay. So if you want like a deep dive on this, I would highly <laughs> recommend people listen to, there was a recent interview that Joe Rogan did with a guy who is a former uh, defense secretary, I believe um, who has, has had a lifelong interest in UFOs while he doesn't like really get into it. He's pretty pragmatic with his approach of like analyzing this data, but he has like a, pr they have a pretty succinct description in that video of the propulsion systems and how, yeah, there's, there's like an, a new element 
that is like discovered and like on how they potentially could harness the energy to produce this because it's extremely energy intensive to create a like a reaction like that mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean the moral of the story is it's something that we can't even fathom like we don't even understand the degree to which and then so they can they can just do it in any direction so that's like ridiculous again let's figure out what these things really are like from my understanding there's even more unreleased non-classified videos out there that just haven't like made its way from you know air force or defense department you know labs or whatever into the public but i mean there's some serious questions out there here's here's another question send it what if those clips are just fake they could be (laughs) what if they're fake and it's all a big distraction to take away from something that uh else something that's really going on Mm. do you have any do you have anything that you'd propose that could be going on i don't know um my mind shot to these uh crispy cream donuts being handed out for vaccinations (laughs) That's pretty sus. You think the UFO? Oh, that's absolutely. Have we talked about this on a I episode don't think before? We have. I feel like we might have. We, I think I think I may have just like expressed my absolute disgust in this. Oh yeah, I think you did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, do I think the UFOs are being released as a means to to distract the true intentions of the Krispy Kreme? <laughs> Donuts, I don't think that one's quite there, but I like where your head's at. <laughs> um, we, we need a balance, so we're always going to play devil's advocate for right. each other, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I don't know, man, but yeah, the world the world's a wild place. It makes you rethink a lot of stuff. Mm. If, if, if we think that, like, man, there could have been these things out there all along. Yes. Well, I mean... Even on a different type of level. So Adam Grant wrote his book, Think Again. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it yet. I bought it. I'm excited to read it. But I've been listening to a lot of his work-life podcasts. Love it. And I don't know how long ago this was. This was after he published the book. But he did another conversation with Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about his book, about Think Again, and also about Malcolm Gladwell's like four books and how... I don't remember the names of all of them, but each one almost contradicts each other. So he has outliers. Mm-hmm. Um, On the shelf over there. Yes. But then he also has, what's the other? <clears throat> uh, David and Goliath, mm-hmm. which talks about how like the underdog can really win out. Yeah. And they, they just went through this whole idea of like, we had these original ideas that we thought were so paramount and so like stable and concrete and what they were what they meant mm-hmm. but they were all wrong in some context explain so outliers mm-hmm. <clears throat> people took away from it the 10,000 hour rule that if you practice something for 10,000 hours you're going to become an expert and you have to do that in order to be successful pretty much okay um mm. of course that's not exactly what he no, says yeah I, I i know where you're at with that I guess I just have a, that's not the, the takeaway I got from it, but uh, sure. Let's, let's say that that's a mainstream takeaway of the book. I would agree that a lot yeah. of people believe that. Yeah. And that's what they hit on too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so people see success as being this thing that you have to work really hard at, that it's like, yeah, you, you just have to do the, this kind of stuff. Um, but then in a, I didn't read David and Goliath, but apparently it really just talks about how there are these underdogs that can really win out mm-hmm. and be really successful based on a lot of other factors, which kind of goes against the 10,000 hour rule to a certain extent. But it also right. hits it like there are other outliers. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. Outliers. I see outliers as a a descriptor. It's like the micro and the macro, right? Outliers is you. David and Goliath is how you play out in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like for you to gain your highest level of mastery, the 10,000 hours for Nick is correct. That doesn't mean that puts you at number one in the worldview. You know, you may only be the two millionth best soccer player in the world. If you look at if you after you've done your 10,000 hours, you can still beat anybody on any given day because you have the capacity to do that. And that's the underdog philosophy. But that's that's you playing out in the world, not you as an individual. Yes. And I think that was the argument that they were making is that like that message wasn't understood Mm. by the message of the book. And so they were thinking again about it, how like maybe I could have written this in a different way to make the public a little more aware and myself more aware Mm -hmm. of what this message means. So my, my whole point of this is just going back to that. Like we think that there are these absolutes Mm -hmm. when in reality, like there are just very few yeah, and you know what? This is that's an interesting like point as well because I even am a hundred. I'm like the biggest victim of this. I'll sit there and I'll think about, it and I'm like, "There's got to be just a simple way to explain something." You know what yeah. I mean? And like to a certain degree, like without getting into the nitty gritty, there usually is. But man, like if you go, you just the minute you start testing it in different ways, it just falls apart. <laughs> even if like the core tenant of what you're trying to get across is pretty sound like if most people just followed like a basic principle Mm -hmm. like put in ten thousand hours of work and you'll gain mastery most people are going to benefit from that idea yeah but it's when you start thinking like too absolute uh, like you're saying about these things that all of a sudden like these ideas it's like the ten thousand hours things like okay yeah but like not really yeah but in so like I'm totally victim of that. I'll be like, man, like there's got to be a, you know, for example, there's got to be like, like a good solid, like I. This is a thought that I that crossed my mind. Like, there's got to be like ten movements in like the workout spectrum that if I just pair them together and do them, like I'll hit like the broadest and like most complete level of maintainable fitness I can ever achieve. Mm. And I'm like, there's gotta just be these 10 things that I always can just fall back on. Like I gotta do these 10 things. And I'm pretty confident now that that's completely BS. <laughs> there's there's foundational movements, sure, but our bodies are designed to adapt to the nuance of like just free flowing physical movement and high variance. So to think that you could do anything so siloed as 10 movements is just like almost laughable. Like there's no, there's no way. Like I think we've all seen the person or known the person or been the person who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm running, I'm a runner. Mm -hmm. I think it's very clear that that does not produce the most optimal like health and longevity. 
so many people injure themselves running. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, that book Born to Run was completely wrong. I don't know much about that book at all. So it took a look at like a lot of ancient tribes that were like traditional, like these ridiculous endurance runners. Like they did these extreme feats, like the original marathon um, was like a run in Greece that was like 26 point. I don't even think it was actually 26.2 miles. I think that was just like some cookie cutter number that got pulled out of a hat. Um, but yeah, like there was two cities that required a long run. And then eventually like enough people were doing this that they decided to make a race out of it, whatever. But, um, so it looked at these and in a lot of ways, like we're bipedal hominids as human beings, we do have a very unique capacity to run long distances on our feet. That is a unique, like very uniquely human ability. Mm -hmm. But when you, like, I heard this really interesting comparison recently where sure we have the capacity to run. And like when we were, when we were a hunter gatherer species, we would, we would track hunt and follow, and we would literally run animals to exhaustion. They would collapse and we'd be able to like get food. Mm -hmm. That was a, but to think that there that instance of a few tribes or whatever that would utilize their ability to run incredibly long distances and have crazy endurance therefore means that that is a species appropriate level of exercise on a daily basis is where this falls apart because as we see if you run too aggressively too many days in a row without proper equipment without proper you know physical preparedness you will fall apart you will get injuries running injuries are like the most it's the most injury prone sport because there's so many overuse injuries that come as a result of it and the case that was being made and what i was listening to is we're actually a long distance walking while carrying species oh the ability to then find that animal that we've tracked and put a hundred pounds on our back and make it all the way back is probably really where our true human nature. People don't get very injured walking and you can load somebody up on their shoulders, put a weight vest on them, carry some dumbbells, whatever it is, like throw something over your back and you can do a ridiculous amount of work in that sense. And it's a very, you know, from looking at it from like a bioenergetic standpoint, like that that lower intensity is like that fat burning mode. Uh, like that's what people want to call it in the workout space. And there's a very strong case for human beings. You know, we carry excess fat in our midline, in our center of gravity as a very functional purpose. So by putting things on our back, doing this like long, steady, you know, low heart elevated heart rate but not maximal like a running would would cause we are actually and you're getting that fat burning mode we're probably like designed to tap into i don't know there's something like 40 40 to 80,000 calories of fat like on the average human body so like they literally they've estimated that's like something like 40 days worth of calories like that's just sitting on your body So to think that like, yeah, like get into a fat burning state, load yourself up because you're fine. You're not going maximal load like you can't move, Mm -hmm. but you know, a hundred pounds for, you know, the average fit person just walking is a doable, especially like 
take the whole balance equation out of it as long as you're well balanced in the distribution of weight that you're carrying and you can handle the load like you can walk a really long ways with that so i think when you think about like from a function and a development of the human species standpoint like we just have so many misconceptions about what is like really the function of being a human <laughs> we're just like little toddlers in a preschool getting tossed into a playpen <laughs> we're, yeah we're sheep in a in a giant experiment oh man sheep in an experiment i, I was just, trying to make just some did, fun with it but <laughs> i just described simulation theory for you yeah i was gonna say <laughs> oh gosh yeah wild but that's i mean farmer's walk right farmer's great, great yeah yeah it's a great exercise yeah it and it's actually been shown to be like restorative because you have to when you go through your like natural gait, you like you load up differently each hip and each side of your body and also carrying like with a farmer's grip, right? Mm -hmm. So you can do it loaded on your back or you can do it in your hands. And same thing, like with your normal gait pattern, your arms will swing. You have to tense up your upper back and your shoulders and everything. And you get like this really nice, evenly balanced stress coming on each of your shoulders independently. Mm -hmm. so it's like a very nice restorative motion in that way you get your blood pumping like there's just so many benefits to loaded walking yeah yeah and running man i just have this like dark picture of a ankle just turning out and oh yeah crack yeah it's like run when you need to but loaded carry daily i think is like a really good even if somebody could just find like a 20 pound like sandbag that would just nicely drape across their shoulders or like a, a vest can get expensive. So like, I, you know, I don't know about that, but like, man, like I think somebody, you know, go for an hour. It doesn't matter how far you get, just go for an hour and then do that a couple times a week. I feel like people would probably start to feel a lot better. Cause I mean, like another benefit of loading bone mineral density goes up, like just mm. the loading on your frame helps increase your bone mineral then like there's so many benefits to it i have an idea actually hit me don't walk your dog carry your dog i mean if you didn't care about the dog yeah or if you really cared about the dog sure <laughs> you know maybe it's hot out your point is sound but then don't forget to also walk the dog or let the dog walk <laughs> itself in some way <laughs> And make sure that your dog is more than, what what is Tink, five pounds? Yeah, she's like <laughs> nine pounds. Come on, give her some credit. So this is quite the tangent, but I yeah. think you did a good job of tying it into an evolutionary perspective. Well done, Brendan. Try to. Yeah. Do you want to let them know or remind them who our pro, uh, the professor that we spoke to was? Yeah, Jamie Krems from Oklahoma State University. She's got a lab there where she's doing a lot of social psychology, and she looks at a lot of um, female social dynamics, I guess is how I would describe it. Yeah. And it was a really, really interesting conversation. St again, I kind of mentioned it in our like brief intro we did, but just stuff that – man, just it doesn't seem to be talked about in like the mainstream enough. Like I'm a big proponent of like trying to understand the human as like a, as like a subject. Yeah. Like what makes people tick? 
and I think she's like leaning some like extremely valuable insights with her work. So it was a great conversation. Yeah. Why isn't that stuff talked about enough? Like we go through school and learn, don't get me wrong, math and like history and all these different subjects are great, but why aren't we learning about like relational dynamics or like how we communicate with each other and good ways of communicating with each other? Yeah, I don't know. Why are we giving people everybody first place trophies? Like, <laughs> why does everybody have access to social media? <laughs> yeah, like, I yeah. don't know. I mean, these are all like, yeah, man. I Maybe just, it's good. I don't know. I mean, the big thing that I constantly turn back to is like, I love looking at the the evolutionary perspective because evolution up until this point, pre industrial revolution, let's call it, has so much like it there was so much consistency you know we go a million years we go back a thousand years they're pretty dang similar Mm -hmm. i would say of course tool development has gotten better i'm sure physical structure has gotten better but like a thousand (laughs) years ago man like we were pretty basic on the evolutionary like spectrum and then all of a sudden we hit this industrial you know revolution you know whatever I mean, the main, the one we call the industrial revolution a hundred or whatever years ago, but like, I mean, we really started developing industriousness as a, as like a species, you mm-hmm. know, maybe, maybe a thousand years ago or so mm-hmm. and like forming cities and like all this other stuff. But man, the, like the evolutionary perspective really opens my eyes to like okay if you take out the last hundred years there's there's a million years of evolution that probably can tell us more about the human experience than whatever kind of like psychotic break we entered once we hit the industrial revolution like it is not the same environment anymore oh yeah we've changed we've completely transformed what it means to be a human living on the earth but the the genetic development and the psychological development around the last hundred years has not caught up. Mm-hmm. We are not at the point where we are well suited to live in today's environment primarily, mm-hmm. you know, because our, our development has come from a million years of evolution that went unchanged. So we got pretty steady with what our, like the human animal was expecting in its environment and from a nutritional standpoint and whatever. So, I love looking at it this way because, uh, and I think that was what really intrigued me about our conversation is that when we really look at like some of these social dynamics that happen, and again, like I want to be very clear, like we're two men talking about this and she studies a lot of women's issues. And like, we obviously are only speaking from, you know, hypothesis and personal experience. Like we're not, we don't know any, like anything. Yeah. We haven't researched this. We have not like done adequate research to provide a single recommendation but you know from our perspective i think that yeah like there's a lot of stuff that does not go talked about but i think it's very clear that young women experience it on a daily basis especially like young women in the school systems like man like that whole idea of like trying to navigate the social hierarchy Mm -hmm. by tearing down the reputation of somebody else like I would say most women in high school have experienced that. Yeah. To some degree. Even women who like may have been perceived to have been at the top are experiencing that 
Regina George. Right. It's the it's the Mean Girls hypothesis. Yeah. I don't know if there's really a hypothesis around that, but that's what I'm calling it. No, this is... So I forgot to show this to you, is that actually Dr. Krems was on this other podcast that I saw on YouTube to where there were like two hosts and then two researchers, one of them being Dr. Krems. And they analyzed like Mean Girls and like it. what the function of that's awesome. the different things in that movie were. Yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah, like, I'll have to check that out. Exactly what you're saying, this hierarchy mm -hmm. of really trying to obtain status and doing all these different things of like gossip or the indirect aggression mm -hmm. and really manipulating different types of people's views. It was so present. Yeah. And it's like that movie's hilarious. It's so good. But yeah. it's so scary at the same time. Yeah, right? it's it's hilarious because it's a satirical look at the truth. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's just an overblown truth. Oh my God, that's my life. Yeah, I'm scared. right? Like, yeah. I, like, you don't literally know the person like that, but you know people, like, not like everybody in that movie, but you know that there was the person who fit that role in your high school. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's like we're just watching the chaos unfold and kind of accepting it. Mm -hmm. Does it serve a purpose? Does what serve a purpose? The hierarchy? Like the extent of this aggression? Like if you think about Mean Girls, they take it to a pretty severe level, but also that severe level is very common in a lot of people's lives. You know, one thing I think about in terms of this is like where like I just was talking about, there's a there's a, a string of human evolution that has occurred over millions of years. And a big part of that, in my opinion, was the fact that like humans are incredibly resilient. Like from injury to lack of food to whatever you want to think. Like as a species, humans are incredibly resilient. Um so one thing I think about a lot in like kind of the context of what we're talking about is man, I I I want to take care of people. That's like a huge thing for me. Like that is when I look at like the human species, I I really deeply do want to know everybody's being taken care of and like we're take like we're not doing anything to damage people. Mm -hmm. But man, to use like a pretty like overly masculinized like phrase here, like we're we're kind of allowing like the species to get soft in a way, mm. and I just feel like we're we're not challenging the resiliency of of people. So when you ask me, is there a function? Does it serve a purpose? I mean, man, I wanna, I don't want to just baby everybody either because as a human being you are resilient Nick and I know you can overcome whatever's in front of you so let's not fucking sugarcoat this yeah like you you can overcome what is in front of you in your life you know what I mean yeah. and I just I fear again going back to like that I really want to take care of people I think part of that is making sure that their basic needs are met and I don't think we think of how we are structuring and communicating society is um, as a basic need. Um, I think that people need challenge. They need to overcome. 
I think back to it too. And I'm like, if there was truly somebody who was like a Regina George, would enough people in the school have been so sick of her bullshit that they, that a group of them would have pushed back on her probably to think that somebody's going to go four years through and like, maybe not. I'm sure there's, again, there's always going to be outliers, Mm -hmm. but man, I can't imagine an entire school just taking the shit of one person for four straight years and not like somehow navigating their way through that and getting, getting past it. And you know, I'm not going to like be so naive to think that there's not going to be people who are going to like fall by the wayside and be truly victimized by somebody in high school. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. But man, like I really, the human spirit is like undeniably like incredible. And man, I want people, I want people to experience the feeling of like overcoming that finding their group and like exploring themselves and understanding why that person bad and like if somebody's really doing terrible things i think the silent majority will push back on that person you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i don't know like i i really i really want to make sure people are like expressing their resiliency and i don't want to make the world so soft and comfy for everybody i think to a certain degree, we absolutely need to protect people. Mm-hmm. And like there's some there's some social and moral things that we need to do, but we also need to encourage people to like, you know, captain their own ship. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, man, I just so I'm like, I'm on both sides of this. I like, I don't know what like the ideal is. And again, like the female experience in society is not my experience. So I'm just talking hypothetically here. But yeah, that's kind of where I, I'm at with the whole, is there is there a function to it? I think there is, and there's, you know, a, so, a navigating social norms that has to come from also the fall of that person, right? Mm-hmm. The person at the top of the hierarchy, if they abuse that power, will likely lose the trust of the people. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, Oh yeah, that, a lot of loneliness at the top there. You know, that those that play those people at the yeah. Regina George may have been an extremely empty person, and she also like broke her back. <laughs> like, yeah. like they they had that justice in the in the movie, mm-hmm. which was pretty wild. Yeah. So like, do we do we need to let that play out? Ah, man, I don't know. While also encouraging everybody to look out for everybody as if we were in a tribe and not let somebody fall behind. I think that's true too. Yeah. You know, that tribal aspect of everybody needs to be carried up and lifted in our, I think that's also equally true. And that's, that's not being done in high school. That's mm-hmm. maybe the biggest part that's missing. Well, here more so than bringing the top down. I think <laughs> we need to ensure that we're lifting the bottom up. Yes. I think that's super important. And I think here is like where, a complex issue that we were kind of talking about before we started recording this comes into play. So I feel like there's, this is again, just speculation, but there, it seems like there's a benefit to being popular, right? Because you socially are accepted mm-hmm. by other people for the most part. Yeah. And which we're means you're talking in the interview resources, right? Yes. Resources. And so if you're not, if you're at the lower end of the hierarchy, maybe you're, especially in today's day and age, 
you're not getting as much like physical interaction with people. And so maybe you turn to this online source and you mm -hmm. find a group online, which, hey, there might be really great social support There's online. no denying that there's going to be positive aspects that can come from social groups online. There's right. going to be. But we were talking about this, that like what does, how does that serve you? Like, are you actually being who you are online? Right. Mm -hmm. And is that what's being socially accepted? Or are you being something else? That's yeah. maybe not true to who you are. And so now you're maybe not accepted in high school or in the world physically, but now you're online virtually and you're feeling accepted, but that's not, those two things don't go together for your like true self versus your virtual self. Yeah. You get, you get to create an avatar yeah. of yourself that you like your ideal self that you would like to maybe aspire to be. And it's really weird because in one way, like that's a great thing. Like you should have this future self that you're like, you're building, you're in, yeah. like you're an un, you're never a fully developed person and you can always continue to develop yourself. But the minute you put a fake persona online that you want the world to see, there's probably this weird trigger of like, this is, this is me. I'm done accept me for who I am as this completed person. Mm -hmm. And then it completely shunts development you know, or, and like, and progress as a person. So yeah, there's like, and we talked about it before with like this idea of, you know, when you go online, you, you don't, you're not accountable. You can turn it off. Mm -hmm. You're not accountable in the rest of your life for the person and who you are when you're online. Yeah. And when the minute you step away from it, you can act like it was some other reality, but it's somebody else's reality on the other side of that screen. And yeah, how are you navigating that? I think it's, yeah, it's extremely difficult to like navigate, especially, yeah, like you're saying, when you create this, this persona online, it's, and who, who are you being? Like people need to ask themselves that question. Mm -hmm. Who is, is the person that you're portraying your whole self. And if it's not, are you going to be upset if people see your whole self and don't like it, but then you weren't sharing it. Mm -hmm. So it feels almost like you're betraying them. It's a very weird dynamic. I don't know that we like have fully discovered how to like navigate this. I definitely don't think we have because it, it gives you total control. Right. And like, why do you, why would you want to let go of that? If you were maybe rejected in other instances, physically with people. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Why would you want to turn back to that? If you're feeling like, oh, well now I, I finally have control and power about like maybe the social situations that I want to navigate. And like you're saying, if I'm in a group or if I'm talking to somebody and I don't, I, w I just want to cut off and stop talking to them. I can just get out of that app and yeah. then go to a different app and talk to somebody else. Mm -hmm. No accountability and responsibility. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, and this just ties into the indirect right? aggression. Yeah. yeah. It just exacerbates it, which I know that she talked about how that was not specific to female cooperation, but it was more so present in females rather than males. And now it's just present in everybody online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Online is, it's literally the, like, facilitates the framework for indirect aggression to be like amplified yeah yeah it does 
like some of these comments are so funny but some of them are so okay so toxic i this is going to be interesting when i want to see what your response is to this i may even have to like grab my phone and we can like i'll show you later but i saw this we were fresh off of the andrew reiner interview we did mm-hmm. right and i so i comment on a video of um so tom billiu's wife you know tom billiu he does impact theory oh yeah and um yeah. So that's another podcast that I listen to. And his wife does a another show as like part of their like little network they've got. And she was interviewing somebody on on negative oh like it was so funny. It was the opposite of what we were talking about with Andrew, where we were talking about men are being told in society they can't show their emotion, mm-hmm. right? And they're they bottle those things up. On the opposite end of the spectrum, women are being sold this, you're an emotional species. Oh, yeah. You're hyper emotional. So being emotional is normal, but like it's getting like, it's the weird thing in society where now we just want to peg everything as like, oh, she's emotional. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the men over identifying in young ages who don't fully develop as just like the one emotion that expresses is anger. Mm-hmm. So I commented on it and I was like, Hey, this is like a really dynamic issue. One thing that I think is is important to consider here is that like not only are women being put in this box, but like we're raising our young men in this other box of not understanding how to process and and deal with emotions. Like and it's and it's they are like dynamic co correlated issues yeah one plays into the other and they play back and forth and they increase one another mm-hmm. so i made this I, I commented and this guy comments back on my comment and i was like yeah. i was like floored i don't know if the dude didn't listen to the video but he he goes like i'm trying to make the case for like men in society do not talk about enough how to process and deal with their emotions yes and like, and that's important because men need to have the capacity to do this. So this dude starts going off about like, you can't sugarcoat everything for guys. You like, you like you, that you don't want to make them like in unable to like be strong and stand up to things. He goes like, imagine if somebody like was about to like harass your mom, your sister, your girlfriend, you need to be big and strong so you can stand up for them. Oh, and I'm like, man, he's playing right into he, what is going he on. Is, this dude was the example I was trying to make. Yes. On both sides. On both sides. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I literally, I, I had to respond back. I'm like, I think you're missing the point and overthinking this. Nobody's saying that you shouldn't like be strong and stand up for, you know, the people in your life. And like the fact that he want to say like, no, 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 don't sugarcoat shit. You've got to be big and strong. That's, that's the ideal of the problem. Yeah. And, and for specifically the women in your life. Correct. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, sure. Be like, you should always be ready to like defend and protect and be brave for the people that you love. Right. Yeah. But man, like don't forget that you're like a full person too. And that's a full person and you both need to be able to. And if you after are fully developed, like you want to fall into gender norms and that's how you negotiate your personal relationships in your life. Great. That's, I mean, but that's personal choice. Yeah. And to think that like, it's a, it's a male 
responsibility to fill one specific gender role and that is be big and strong and protect it's like sure like i'm sure in a lot of cases that makes sense but like that is also don't be so naive to think that that never causes problems everyone needs to be big and strong and protect at some point and everyone needs to be yeah. sad and angry and frustrated and stressed at some yeah, point and too. understand how to navigate those emotions so yeah. i was like i was completely floored and i think it was like a really telling especially like with this whole conversation we're having now too about you know like gender dynamics and in society and everything like that man it was so funny just to see like front and center the example of what we were like navigating and talking about on our on with jamie and with andrew like these last two interviews like it was so funny to just see that like come through i'm like wow like that guy was a snapshot of society and that's the problem right and what does he feel like he gains out of telling you that? Like, does is he seeing that he can put himself higher up on the hierarchy by saying, you need to be big and strong? Like, is he telling people that I'm big and strong and I'm going to, like, reinforce that I was to just, other people? I was just telling myself that this was a Russian bot. <laughs> this dude had six pictures. He was flexing in four of them. Wow. And, like, just the stereotypical, like, man, like, I, I almost wanted to like I had a couple really like charged responses ready like dude you're you're the the person I'm talking about let's get this guy on the podcast right like should we break this guy down yeah no but like and I just I ended up being like this is the dumbest platform for me to try and like educate this guy <laughs> I'm just and like my comment had the most likes on this post so like I was at the top and people were seeing these comments let's go <laughs> So I, I mean, I don't know, man, it was interesting, but I was like, I was not, I responded in like a, Hey, I think you're overthinking this. Like what I said, I was like, yeah. but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just, that was such a great example of this mic or indirect aggression and how like online is just, it's just getting played out to a whole new level. Oh yes, it is. I mean, I always go back to like, on the one hand, it's cool that anybody can like say what they want for the most part and just like get those words out but yes they are ridiculous like so ridiculous i wanted to go back to um before we wrap up we've gone a decent amount of time here this has been pretty fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) but when you were talking about like an evolutionary perspective and you said tool development I had this joke that popped up into my head you probably noticed that i was like laughing (laughs) it's pretty stupid but um I thought you were going to kind of go through like, yeah, so there was like fire and the wheel and I was going to make a joke saying. And then Chad. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> now we have Brad and Chad. <laughs> yeah. Literally tool development led to more tool development. It does. And think about whatever that. this guy's username was, who was throwing some shade at you for, yeah. for navigating just the social f- sphere of trying to be human. Yeah. Um, like and his name's got to be Brad. The complete miss of like me, I wasn't trying to tell anybody what to do, but like you can still be supportive of people and like recognize that there's, and actually this is part of my response I gave him. I was like, this is an extremely complex issue and no, no one experience or no one recommendation can lend itself to every experience yeah there's so many different experiences and i recognize that guy probably had a very different experience than me where being a strong man in that dude's life may very well have actually been a necessity yeah so 
like all the credit to that dude for being what he needed to be in his environment. Russian bots got to be strong. That's right. But man, like to think that that is now some universal norm that everybody should follow is an extremely arrogant thing to think. <laughs> yes. Like ego needs to be checked on that one. Like not all environments demand that. Yeah. That's I'm I appreciate you just acknowledging that it might have been really beneficial in his environment. It, I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I just like he didn't know me. Maybe he didn't recognize that. But I don't know him and I don't know his environment and he didn't get the context of this thing. So sure, I'll deploy a little empathy. That guy may just have, that may have been the truest of true in that dude's heart, good intention, like You may have just lived with a pack of wolves and you know. I mean, shoot, like people, people live in much rougher environments than I have. Yeah. So if you had, you know, mothers and sisters and girlfriends who were consistently being harassed, environment dictated action in that point and sure go for it but but it's not a universal experience but was his comment repressed sadness that was oh i'm sure out. i'm sure it was again like what i wanted to say which was like hey buddy seems like you don't haven't really worked through your emotions you may be expressing one emotion of confusion or sadness as just anger yes like maybe you should think about Boom, figuring out about what it. emotion you're feeling in yeah. this moment yeah but I'll save that for you and the the professionals. <laughs> oh my goodness, Brendan, this has been a good one. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us if you made it this far. We started talking about UFOs. That went crazy. I butchered a UFO propulsion system theory. That was great. Then we got into the real good stuff, which was our talk with Jamie. And then now we're uh we're wrapping it up with some just good old just Comments. good old anecdote. <laughs> good old anecdote. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode. And we look forward to having another Office Hours after that where we throw some pretty ridiculous ideas around. Maybe we'll get back to UFOs. Maybe not. Maybe we do Maybe we do just a whole thing on, uh, on the, the current state of UFOs. Wow. I think they're all fake. It's possible. I don't know. It's That's... even potentially probable. <laughs> that was me just throwing out another joke but they might be all fake. Let us know. They might not be. All right, see you, everyone. (laughs) 